Georgia trying to shake off Starks. Oh, what a move by in here, I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. Lead pass to Tim Hill, Jeff Eisenband, my man, how you doing? I'm all good, man. Uh, you know, I just told you before before we started, but I've been admiring you from a distance for a while. So I'm just uh, I'm glad to be in your uh, audio presence right now. <laughs> Thank you, man. I really appreciate that, uh, Jeff. Welcome to the Retro Room uh, podcast. I started about uh, well almost a year ago just to talk about some retro throwback. Nostalgic kind of basketball. Uh, I think a lot of people nowadays uh, have a podcast about the current NBA, which is cool. But I figured let me take a step back and try to find something else different uh, and and create my own lane. And I think I've been doing a pretty good job so far. Obviously, I would want more people to hear it, but it is still early. But getting people like you who who cover the sport or big fans of the sport is always a great uh, a great thing for me. Yeah, I appreciate it. So you are from NBA 2K League and MSG Networks, correct? That is that is uh, the start of what I do and, you know, bouncing <laughs> around some other stuff as well in the freelance broadcast world. Right. So in uh, and, and kind of uh, preparing for the show, you know, we, you know, we were going back and forth for like a week. We finally got you on, but trying to lock down a particular era topic. So now we got you on talking about the first go around with LeBron James as a Cleveland Cavalier. So we're talking about maybe 02, 03 to maybe 10. We won't be here all night, but that's really the, the, the time frame <laughs> of what we're talking about. But um, a couple of tidbits you told me in the process was that you are a Knicks fan, but at the time that if the Knicks were not going to win a championship or they were in the playoffs or, or whatever, you wanted the Cavaliers to win because you were a big LeBron James fan, right? Yeah, I mean, I'd say, you know, and, and I feel like I could relate to a lot of people at the time. So I was born in 93. Uh, really, the the earliest basketball memories I have are the Knicks making the run in 99. You know, Larry Johnson's four-point play, Allen Houston shot against the Heat, making that finals against the Spurs. Right. You know, I, I would, I'd call the, the starting lineup, uh, you know, in my room, I'd say from Alabama, you know, do the Latrell <laughs> Speedwell whole thing through. Right, right. So that was really, you know, and, and those Knicks teams were good. You know, people forget even after. After they made the finals, they made the Eastern Conference finals the next year, hung around the playoffs a bit. Mm. Um, and then I think we got to, you know, the, the the early 2000s and I start to look at, at the NBA in a different lens. And I'm part of a generation that didn't really get to see, you know, I guess you could say I, I remember vaguely the 98 playoffs and a little bit of, you know, my dad trying to get me to watch Jordan. But I just don't don't remember, you know, tuning in at night 
you know, to watch Michael Jordan during the week. So, uh, well, a lot of people thought the NBA was down in that those early two thousands years, you know, it didn't, I didn't, I didn't know any better. Um, and then when LeBron comes in, he was the first guy that a lot of people really followed through high school and you could watch him, you know, St. Vincent, St. Mary, they were on sports center, they were on ESPN, you know, getting actual live games. And then by the time that draft came around, there was so much hype. There was so much like, you know, I, I think people, and so I was 10 around that draft. I think people who were preteen coming into their teen years, we were like, this is our Michael Jordan right here. Right. So it was, it was about gravitating toward LeBron. It was about, look, if LeBron was drafted by the Celtics or, the Nets or the 76ers, I probably wouldn't have been a LeBron fan. But I think uh, the Cavs were further, far enough away from the Knicks that I was like, I can buy in, buy in here. Yeah. So basically, what what Michael Jordan means to me in my generation, he's so LeBron is your Jordan of your era, correct? And I'm not trying to call you old, Randy. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to say I'm just uh, I don't I just you know I remember going to a Knicks Wizards game when I was like eight or nine years old uh-huh. and my dad being like you know this is a big deal like you get to see michael jordan and i probably had ne- you know never seen michael jordan and to me i was like yeah he's you know you know it's like the 12th best guy in the nba maybe 18 you know it, like this was uh this was really older jordan and um i've come to appreciate it now and uh, you know, we're having this podcast. I'm not a guy who stands on a pedestal and says LeBron is better than Jordan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think you got when you look at those six titles, what Jordan did with his supporting cast, and we'll get to LeBron's supporting cast. But but you know what what Michael Jordan was able to do. Um, I don't belittle that. But to us, it was 2003. Like I remember where I was draft night watching that that loaded draft and knowing LeBron was about to change the NBA, not just that, and and going home, you know, kind of been an unprecedented thing for the NBA draft generation, other than Hakeem Olajuwon, a guy really getting drafted Mm. by the city that he belonged to before. Right. Uh, Before we get right into it, you can find the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify. Um, so yeah, we got you on about this LeBron stuff. So you kind of went through went to the, the the draft a little before me, but um, <laughs> you wanted LeBron to be the greatest that you ever seen because you did not see the Jordan Bulls era. Um, there is a debate, current debate. I, I'll stay current for for a little while. There is a current debate going on about who's the greatest. Uh, Michael Jordan or LeBron James. LeBron is still currently playing. Jordan obviously retired. It's just a lot of accolades, a lot of mountains to climb where you're trying to defeat Jordan. You know, there there are the the six world titles, many multiple all-star games and all-star MVPs and MVPs in the finals and regular season and scoring titles. It's just a, a tough, tough feat. But kind of fast forward to now when LeBron does eventually retire, is he going to surpass Michael in your mind? What what Le- what does LeBron need to do to to be in like he's 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 in the conversation, but I'm talking about being like really neck and neck, being right behind him and say, hey, listen, I'm right behind you. I might take over you if I get six titles or this or that. Or do you think that Michael Jordan is has the top brain all to himself right now? I think that. You know, I really do think Jordan has the title to himself, and I think the hardest thing for LeBron is that he's past his prime. You know, I think that that LeBron, and obviously he came so close, 
But, you know, losing all the finals that LeBron has lost, what I think it's, uh, I think he's what, three of eight, um, you know, it makes it just a, uh, just that much more. I'm doing some quick math. My, yeah, yeah, three of eight. Um, you know, it just makes it that much more difficult to to prove because I think when people compare the primes, they look at what Jordan was um, as a scorer and as a teammate and what he did with what he had and winning every year. And I think that the the dominance of Jordan winning such in line, you know, winning six of eight titles and really six of six if you take away the strike gear and him coming back late. Um, LeBron still has a chance, though, and I think that what we're seeing this year is is incredible. I know we want to stick to the the, the two thousand the first decade of the two thousands, but what LeBron is is doing this year um, is pretty incredible and gives you an idea that the Lakers might have a chance. And I think the biggest difference between you know if there's an argument for LeBron versus Jordan, the biggest argument to make is LeBron has adapted so many different times i think more than michael jordan you know i think michael jordan had to adapt but he was he was the same sort of when you think of jordan you think of a guy who scored the basketball who made his teammates better who played defense when you think of lebron you think of a guy who came in as a bulldozer in his early generation and couldn't you know wasn't the biggest the best shooter um but was just this athletic specimen that could you know a six eight six nine guy who could drive the basketball then he evolved uh, into a little bit more of a shooter uh, when he was, you know, went from Miami to Cleveland, especially Cleveland the second time. And now we're seeing LeBron the passer. You know, he almost looks like Steve Nash out there. If Steve, if you could double Steve Nash in size, so I think that's the biggest, the best argument for LeBron is look at what he's done throughout his career, changing the style of who he is. Not many guys can do that. I think real quick. The only defense I would give Michael as far as when you mentioned, you know, adapting is the fact that it's hard to adapt when you leave the game for a year and then three years. I think if Michael was was still if he went straight through the career, uh, his career without retiring one time, I think he would have adapted pretty well. But it's very hard when you go away from the game. In, in, in 98 and you come back in on one and you're seeing taller, quicker, faster, more athletic people. It's like, oh, wow. But, you know, how could I adapt so quick when I, when I was uh, away from the game for, for, for two, three years? And I, and I don't know if it was maybe Jordan was looking around and he was like, if I got to protect my legacy, I got to come back. Um, I always say with tennis, you know, Roger Federer is still going with tennis. He could have retired at any point in the last few years, but I think for him, he's realized that there are young guys already. You know, Roger Federer got to age 30 and was so far ahead in the tennis world, and guys started catching up, and he's now, I, I think he's up at like 37, 38, but he's at least added on to his legacy, which maybe Jordan came back with the Wizards and hoped for a little bit of that. It didn't really happen, uh, but you're right. LeBron, the, the, the longevity of LeBron going through, going from age 8 I think that that the only issue that LeBron has is that people will will look and they will see was Jordan more dominant for a more defined period of his prime. And I think that's the question. And I think the perfect way to start is the fact that, you know, we're going to start from LeBron in high school, because now there is a correlation to current days where a lot mm. of 13, 14, 15 year old kids see Zion and the big hype and. I know he went to college, but still, the big hype coming out of uh, college or high school coming into the draft, like, he's the next big thing. But if you rewind uh, 
16 years ago to when when LeBron wow 16 uh 16 years ago to when LeBron got drafted it was the same thing the hype machine uh ESPN ESPN2 games against uh Carmelo and Oak Hill Academy the hype was out there magazines this and that the coverage not like the social media we have now but LeBron you know Zion was LeBron back in the day so when when did you know the hype was real? When did you first hear about LeBron James or see LeBron James actually play? So I think it was the there was an SI cover. I want to say it was LeBron's junior year. Um, that was the one that you know the the Saint Vincent Saint Mary right. Mary's um, cover with him. I'm I'm pulling it up right now because I I don't want to get it wrong. Um, but it said, yeah, it said the chosen one on it. And that right. was the first time, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's got the, almost like the Heisman pose and yeah, he was a junior then. And, and it was, I remember cause you know, I mean, this is for people, for the young people listening, it was a different time. You know, there was no ball is life. There was no overtime right. uh, covering these <laughs> high school guys or anything like that. The only people covering these high school guys were scouts, you know, pr- mostly college scouts, uh, people that were going into the gyms and just recognizing what was there. Uh, and it was, and Sebastian Telfair, remember, was around the same time. So yes. LeBron wasn't really the only hyped high schooler. Uh, but what LeBron had was this whole idea that he was the next Jordan, was that people were saying. I think the fact that he wore 23 mattered um, because people saw that. And and I remember just watching, you know, I, I was still young. Like I said, I was when uh, I was probably eight or eight and nine in LeBron's junior and senior year of high school. So I, even the, you know, seven, eight o'clock uh, televised St. Vincent St. Mary's game. I wasn't necessarily watching live, but I remember watching the highlights on sports on sports center over and over again. The next day they used to show him. And back then you'd have, you know, nowadays, even, you know, a lot of high school games are televised on some sort of streaming networks back then. Um, and obviously some of the games ended up on ESPN, but the early games didn't. Sometimes you'd get LeBron highlights that were filmed basically on a camcorder that someone sent into ESPN. And it was always this guy looks like a man among boys in a high level prep environment. Um, and then, you know, the Oak Hill game against Mello was a big deal. Um, that was, you know, I, I think that it would be, I think that all of this stuff would be such bigger deals now. Mm-hmm. You know, can you imagine that game, you know, today? Um, oh, yeah. it's just, it's hard to think about. Um, and I actually remember, uh, I want to say, um, it's like Kid Gilchrist or Kid Gilchrist played with Kyrie. I remember watching on MSG Varsity, much more recent, mm-hmm. uh, that, that St. Patrick's team and, you know, stuff, uh, stuff with them, like just getting excited about that. I can't imagine what it would have been like with LeBron if it wasn't just, you know, we kind of people caught on as he was in high school and then we started to get a couple and by his senior year, then it became really must see TV. I remember, um, you know, you started to look, when is LeBron playing? Uh, you know, this week it was almost like when he was a senior in high school. Yeah. I think, um, in today's, in today's climate, man, if people, People went crazy online to to watch Zion and Lamelo Ball. You know, just imagine if LeBron, Carmelo, high school, going at it. it. It'll be it'll be all over the place. You know, prior to Sports Center, like you mentioned, Ball's Life and Overtimes and the Bleacher Reports. They'll cover this. They'll cover that every single day, like how they do 
or like, or like how they did Zion last year, like how they doing uh, Lamelo Ball, who could be a top, a top pick or a top top three pick in this year's draft. You never know, but you know, to me, I thought the hype was real. I I, I would say I, I I saw highlights more of LeBron than I saw an actual game. Uh, because me, I just I was never really into the high school game. Sometimes the college game, depending on who was playing. So I was more into the the pro NBA game uh, uh, back then. So now when you hear LeBron and he's you know ninety million dollars with Nike before he even gets drafted, and then this, and he's on Slam Magazine, he's on uh, Sports Illustrated. It's like all right, I I, I want to see see this guy play. And you're already saying he's the next. Jordan or the, or the next Kobe, he he's wearing twenty three. Like, all right, let, let's do this. And prior to signing with Nike, he was wearing the the, the Adidas Pro models, well, uh, in, in St. Vincent St. Mary. So he had a big following coming in. And then, like, boom, he gets drafted in 03 by by Cleveland, and it's like, oh wow. Then you start going going more into that draft. And a lot of people say that the two thousand three NBA draft is either a the best of all time, two, top two, top three, because you have guys like LeBron, Carmelo, Wade, Bosch, and so many other other big-time talent in there. And I ask you this, where do you rank the 03 draft class? Wow. I mean, um, you know, I guess you you really have to go back to, to 84 or whatever the, the, the Jordan draft, 84, you know. Yeah with Elijah Wan um, is the one that I think the only one that you can really legitimately compare to with Barkley also. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that, that, that 2000 and Stockton was in that one. Um, you know, so that was that, listen, that right there, the four guys I just named are four, you know, you could argue of the, the all time, the all time, I don't know, 30 greatest players in NBA history, mm-hmm. uh, maybe Stockton just on the edge. But I, I would say more about the 2000, three draft it changed the dynamic of the nba for the next decade if not the next two decades um and i remember like i said at the beginning you know with the Cavs, i guess as a knicks fan um i didn't see the Cavs as a threat not a threat in terms of beating the knicks but in terms of like being a rival to my fandom uh because the Cavs were basically irrelevant from the late 90s to the early 2000s and when they drafted lebron even and this had nothing to do with drafted, drafting LeBron. They had their jersey changed that year. They changed to the red, to the to the red, and not even the red and blue. It was really red, yellow, and white. They didn't bring those blue jerseys in for a couple of years. Um, and it was just this new era of this team. You know, you have the the Nuggets who didn't weren't really relevant, and also uh-huh. talking about the colors, they were gold and brown, and all of a sudden in dark blue, and all of a sudden they got the mellow powder blues with the yellow. Uh, the Raptors post, you know, were about to go past Vince Carter to the Chris Bosh era. The Heat, which had now gone past the Alonzo Mourning era, were bringing in Wade. I mean, there was just like there were this whole era was defined by this draft really until 2010. And you could argue that this draft set in motion 2010. Um, it changed the entire NBA from this uh, this post Jordan uh, you know, we have NBA finals games where the score is like 84 to 79 to these guys are about to run the NBA. So if I throw in the monkey wrench of the 1996 draft. Okay. With Iverson, Marbury, Ray Allen, Kobe, Steve Nash, Abdul Rahim, Antoine Walker, 
Stoyakovich. What do you think? Or still, I, still look, I, I, I'm still going, I'm going, I'm going to 84, 2003, 96. And part of it is because look, mm-hmm. I grew up on Marbury. I had Starberries. I had Marbury jerseys. I had everything. But, you know, Stefan Marbury is not an accomplished winner or an accomplished MVP type player. Um, you know, I think Kobe's the face of that draft and Steve Nash obviously won his two MVPs, but he didn't necessarily win. Um, I think that, you know, LeBron and Melo in their own dominated an era. And then you're talking about Dwayne Wade, um, you know, one of the all time clutch players that the NBA has seen. And, and we can go into the depth of that draft with guys like Kirk Heinrich, you know, David West, Josh Howard, mm-hmm. guys who played, who, who delivered and Michael Sweetney's not on that list, but, uh, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. there were, it's close. Um, but I just think, and even with a guy like Iverson, look, Iverson was an amazing player, won an MVP, did his thing. Iverson's longevity wasn't spectacular and he didn't win a title. So I just, uh, and now I know people will come in and say, well, Melo didn't do any of those things either. Uh, but I think Melo's longevity was more impressive than Iverson. That's a nice debate right there. The longevity of Iverson or Carmelo. Like- well, you know, you know what I'm saying though? Like Iverson peaked in 01, right? When he makes the finals. And really by like I feel like 03, 04, you know, it started he started to digress and you're only talking about you know, his 96 being his rookie year. And then I'm looking at the stats now, right? Maybe, you know, you could argue I was a little wrong. He was still averaging 33 points in 05, 06. <laughs> I was going to um, say, yeah, yeah. But, but, but it felt like once he went to Denver, that was it. Um, and, and part of it, remember, you know, Melo comes out a year earlier. It's a good debate. It's a good debate from when they got started, you know, when they really got cooking to when they started to digress. Who really held up? So Iverson in Denver... We're still getting um, at least twenty six a game. That was like oh seven. But but I 08. feel like it was different, you know. And even playing with Melo, you know, Iverson was the second guy on that team. That was Melo's team by the time Iverson got there. Yeah, you're probably right. But uh, I I don't have to be I don't have to be right. You know, you mm. can tell me I'm wrong. Uh, but I just think with Iverson, you're looking at that that in terms of both his personal play and his team from like 99 to 03 was the peak there. And then those Phillies team, those Philly teams started to struggle, you know, like Kobe's best years were not, when I think of Kobe's career and I'm thinking of how do you make the argument for Kobe's legacy? You don't think about the 05 to 07 years as the reason to argue for his legacy. But if you look at the stats, I mean, he was, he was carrying everything he could with that team. Black Mamba. Yeah, so, you know, it's but it but that's not the argument for what made Kobe great. You know, I think the when you go to 08 through 2010, which is really the end of Kobe's prime, that's when you're looking at what what that guy, he was the best player in the NBA in that 3-year stretch, which goes back to, you know, this decade with LeBron, too. The the one argument I will put out there, one debate I will put out there is um when we look at the the, the rookie year of rookie years of LeBron and Carmelo, Okay, um, yeah. So LeBron had on uh, on a round off 21 6 and 6 uh third player in history to average 25 and 5 as a rookie. They did miss the playoffs. Uh they went 35 and 47. 
but they had a plus uh, 18 wins from the year prior. He had 25 in his uh, debut in Sacramento. We all know about that. But Carmelo, on the other hand, had 21-6-3 and made the playoffs as an eighth seed in the Western Conference. So I'm asking you, I know LeBron won the Rookie of the Year, but it is a what-if. Should have should Carmelo have won the Rookie of the Year in 04 as opposed to LeBron James? So at, at the time, and listen, this was me judging it as an 11-year-old, um, I wasn't upset with the result. And not because of being a LeBron fan, but being sort of a, uh, you know, uh, examining basketball. I think that what you mentioned there, uh, LeBron bringing the the you know giving the Cavs 18 extra wins although I'm looking right now Melo gave the uh the Nuggets actually 26 extra wins wow so I know there were a lot of people um a lot of people who were disappointed by the way that that played out I think Melo clearly had a better team around him you know guys like uh, I'm, I'm looking down that lineup right now Marcus Camby Young Nene Andre Miller um the, it felt like he uh he wasn't necessarily carrying the team as much as LeBron. It just felt like that Cavs team sucked. And it felt like <laughs> oh, it boy. felt like he was, you know, a man like I, not to be cliche about it, but a man amongst boys in every game that he played out there. I think the hype helped him. Um, I think that there was a level of he's getting people are expecting this every night and he's still able to put it on despite the, the double teams and everything like that. It could have gone either way. Uh, you know, if we're sitting here years later and it was a co-rookie of the year, I think that would have made everyone most happy. And it's it's not unprecedented. Um, you know, that was done once before. Right. It was. Uh, what was it? I'm looking right now. It was something the in, the, in the 90s. Right. It was uh, Jason Kidd and, and Grant Hill. Uh, we're co-rookie of the years. Yeah. Um, and wasn't it, it definitely on? it helps LeBron's legacy. Listen, it helps that he won rookie of the year. People care about that. Right. Didn't. Um, I could be wrong. Didn't Elton Brand, Steve Francis have a co-rookie Yes, they did. Too? You're right. You're right. I'm looking at that too. You're right. Um, so LeBron, I, I got to see this roster. <laughs> the first roster he had that they won 18 more games. We had LeBron, Tony Batiste, Carlos Boozer, J.R. Bremer, Kendrick Brown, Mateen Cleaves, Ricky Davis, Sagana Jopp, Elgoskis, Jason Capono, Jelani McCoy, Jeff McGinnis, Chris Mim, Darius Miles, Lee Nalon, Ira Newble, Kevin Ali, Michael Stewart, Bruno Sundolf, Dewan Wagner, and Eric Williams. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> wow. Wow. So, uh, the, you know, the, the immediate thing and, and people love the quote and he's regretted it years later. Right. Ricky Davis said he was glad they got LeBron to help him out. And <laughs> Ricky Davis, if I'm not mistaken, was traded during the season. Oh, um, it was kind of like, all right, you know, goodbye, Ricky Davis. <laughs> you know, it, it, this is not the Ricky Davis era in Cleveland. This is yeah. LeBron. Um we're now building around the, you, Ricky Davis. <laughs> <laughs> I think the big miss here, this was actually the only year that Carlos Boozer played with LeBron. Mm -hmm. And I don't think the Cavs realized what they had with Boozer. Um, you know, he moved on. And, and remember, he was such an integral part of the Jazz and then the Bulls for a while, for a long time. Yes. Um, so I think the Bulls, the, the Cavs kind of missed here. This was only his second season. Mm. Um, 
and they moved him on. Uh, but like some of these guys, I mean, that, that, this was the corpse of Kevin Ali. Like this is, uh, you know, Kevin Ali, uh, and I guess he actually now looking, he's still hung in the league a little bit longer, but, um, you know, he wasn't exactly pulling anything. Uh, Jason Capono, I'm looking only played 41 games that season. Uh, just like, Ilgowskis was still figuring out his way. There was really nothing here. I mean, look at that. I don't feel like you can find NBA rosters, take LeBron out of that, that bad today. Uh, and to be fair, with the uh, the Carmelo 0304 Denver roster, you had Carmelo, Birdman, John Barry, Ryan Bowen, Earl Boykins, Marcus Camby, Michael Doliak, Francisco Elson, uh, Nene, Vashon Leonard, Andre Miller, Mark Pope, Jeff Trepagnier, Nikola Skidishvili, and Rodney White. The the only thing, I, I really think it's important to note there that Andre Miller, for those who kind of don't really remember, was a great player at that time. And, you know, LeBron, I always, my, fav- my favorite part about LeBron's rookie season was I had NBA Live 04, and you could play with LeBron as a point guard. Mm-hmm. Um, like people didn't know what LeBron was when he came into the league. And that also gives you an idea of what sort of offense the Cavs are running that year. Um, so again, it's not, it's not, it's not saying Melo didn't have, I mean, Melo had one of the most spectacular rookie years as well. I'm looking at rookie of the years. Like, can you, Mike Miller was a rookie of the year two years earlier. It's just, (laughs) you got the wrong year, Melo, you know, um, I think that, but having a point guard like Andre Miller and having a center like Marcus Camby at the time, those were two really, um, you know, really put together NBA players in their, arguably in their prime at that time. So LeBron goes to 05, uh, all-star, a starter. No matter of fact, by the way, just just for the record, yeah. I do remember LeBron and Melo, a lot of people really were you could have made arguments for both of them as all stars in their rookie season. Uh, the rookie year. Yeah. Yeah, you could have, but And they showed out in that rookie star that rookie stars All-Star game that year. Yeah. yeah. Um you know it's so funny when you when you look back of who was who made the All Star team as a rookie? Like in in modern modern time, the last one you'll find is Blake Griffin and I, I, maybe Yao Pryor. I could be wrong, but you would think LeBron would make the All Star team as as a rookie, right? But that's not how it goes sometimes, you know. There's there's such a stigma in the NBA against rookies making it. Um, you know, Luca was pretty close last year. It felt like, but. It's there. There is there is such a veterans club to it. Yeah, I bet you Luca will be there this year. <laughs> He'll be there this year. He'll be yeah, starting this year, but exactly. year two, you know. Um, and remember, Blake Griffin. It was basically year two for him. You know, he was also he only he went to two years of college. He was probably twenty two at that time. Right. He he falls he falls under the Ben Simmons category where he'll come out, get hurt one year, don't play. He plays the following year, then he wins the rookie of the year, right? Yeah, we'll see if that's Zion. Yeah, ho- hopefully, man. Zion, oh, man, don't get me started on Zion. Um, so LeBron's first two years in, in Cleveland, he does he does not make the playoffs. Uh, he does make the All Star team, as, as I was mentioning. Now his points has gone way up, twenty seven seven to seven in year two. Uh, I think he had 56 against Toronto, which is a Cavalier uh, single game points uh, high at the time, which he and Kyrie later broke 
later on in their careers. Well, 57, Kyrie in 2015, LeBron in 2017. I think that was the final, no, second to, second to last year he was with the uh, the Cavaliers. So nothing much in, in 05, no playoffs. So we keep moving to 06. He becomes an all-star MVP. He's getting now 31, 7 to 7. He finished he finished second in voting in the MVP behind Steve Nash. And I know that that Steve Nash MVP year gets talked about a lot where okay, Nash, you got one in 05, but I don't know about the second one. It could have been Kobe. Everybody mentions Kobe averaging 35 a game, the Black Mamba stuff he was doing. Um, Shaq was in the mix, I think, in 05, not 06. And LeBron getting 31-7-7. People thought he should have been the MVP. But taking you back to that time, did you agree with Steve Nash being a back-to-back MVP, or do you think LeBron should have gotten the MVP? Um, I mean, uh, man, now, now you're, you know, you're putting on the, the memory bank on that. I think that LeBron from the level, from the, from the credentials for MVP, you know, we see guys like Giannis step up right in, in Harden a couple of years ago in Westbrook, yeah. there seems to be, you know, that's the formula to MVP where it's basically, I'm going to go off this year. You know, this is my year and I might not be the best player in the NBA, but I'm going to be the guy who fills the stat sheet and gets and does all that. Then you could say LeBron should have been the MVP that year. But those Suns teams were dominant and dominant in the regular season, which remember, that's when the uh, that's when the the MVP is picked. And. You know that those Steve Nash Suns teams were running it up on everyone. You know, I'm looking right now. That team went 54 and 28. They were the, the I guess the the what were they? The second or third seed in the Western Conference. They were the second seed in the Western Conference. Um, and it just like it still felt like like they they had more potential. He was the best player on a championship contender. It didn't feel like the Cavs were a championship contender yet. Right. Um, but like I said, from a from a standpoint of here's kind of the the stats and the way that LeBron is is being the guy to carry this team then he should have been the MVP that year and now we 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 go to LeBron making the playoffs finally um and I think most should know that LeBron if 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 you want to say the word rival uh I think LeBron's first rival rivalry was um, the battle against the Wizards in uh, 06, 07, 08. That was really the first test of LeBron. I know it ain't Kobe and Iverson and those guys, but going up against Washington in the playoffs in three consecutive years against Gilbert Arenas, who was just going crazy and bonkers at that time. You know, Hibachi was all, all over the place. But now you get LeBron with the Cavs. You get Gilbert and the Wizards for three straight years in the playoffs. LeBron in his first NBA playoff game, a triple-double, 32-11-11. And they beat the Wizards in 06 in, in 06. They beat them in a sweep in 07 and again 6 in 08. So what do you remember the most about the LeBron Cavs against the Gilbert uh, Wizards in the playoffs? I, I just remember... You know, well, first, I mean, I remember the Hibachi era that it was just, you know, before Gilbert pulled the guns in the locker room, it was so cool <laughs> to just say Hibachi after you scored every basket. Yeah, right. Um, you know, I remember those Wizards teams being, they were, um, they were good. They were, 
they were good and they were put together. They felt like seasoned vets. You know, Gilbert Arenas, Antoine Jameson are guys that were be- had been in the league before they became all stars, before they peaked. Mm-hmm. They were kind of the uh, the consummate pros of guys who worked their way up in the NBA. And and Larry Hughes would end up spending some time with the Wizards. And there were a lot of names on that team. They rolled deep. Um, they weren't necessarily, you know, the flashiest. You weren't exactly people weren't going out and buying Antoine Jameson jerseys around the country, but they got the job done. And this was a, an era in the East where, especially this 06 year, right? This was the first time that Detroit got toppled. Uh, the Heat ended up beating them in the Eastern Conference Finals. And you look at my favorite part about this is you look at some of the stats, the scores of those games. Mm. And like I said before, they were so low scoring. Um, this was a defensive minded Eastern conference that LeBron was trying to single-handedly break down. And, you know, it goes back to what we were saying and it makes it so much more impressive for what LeBron was doing that he didn't have any, he still, he didn't have a lot of help on these teams. And the fact that he could beat a deeper wizards team was, was incredible. And you felt that he didn't shy away from the moment. And I think it helped what, you know, the pressure there were certain pressures that got to LeBron in his in his heat era and at the end with the Cavs, but this was still at the beginning where it was so young and it felt like LeBron has nothing to lose. He was the equivalent of a junior in high in college at the time. And it was just like this guy who had the keys and was just going as fast as he could. I recall that 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 Washington team, um Gilbert Jameson, forgot Karan Butler too. He was there. Karan Butler, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um Larry Hughes. They they were I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't go as far as say, hey man, a team that could have really won a championship or could have could have gone far. I mean, they could have gone f- further than they did than they did, but it just did not go that way because every time you're in the playoffs, you you play fucking LeBron and the Cavaliers. So it, it just it is what it is. And, and the same with same with Cleveland against the, uh, Detroit for a few years. Um, but I the one thing I I, I recall the most. Um, Oh, I forgot what game, what year it was, but wasn't Gilbert at the free throw line trying to tie it up or, or, or go ahead? And then LeBron or somebody was talking shit to him, and then he missed the free throws, and game was over. Remember that? Um, I'm I'm vaguely remembering it. <laughs> oh man, yes, I think he was at the foul line. Trying to shoot. Yeah, yeah. I'm throws. watching right now. Yeah. Um, and somebody got I'm to seeing him. it was. Uh, Gilbert missed the foul shots and LeBron just told him uh LeBron just told him like you lost the game or something like that. <laughs> they Yeah, LeBron got to him, man. LeBron got to the old vet and Gilbert. So um I think out of the entire rivalry they had, I think that was the one important thing because it just I don't know, it kind of shifted everything. LeBron got in people's people's heads and Gilbert people say he, he choked or he, he just he just missed a free throw. So I don't know what game that was in the series or it could have been two one, two two, whatever, but that was a very pivotal point in that series. And for, and for for Gilbert and Washington to be LeBron's first rivalry, um, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good. A, a good stepping stone to what LeBron would have to endure uh, endure in the, in the playoffs following. And obviously he would get bounced out by Detroit. Um, in, in in round two, so we get a little taste of, taste of LeBron in the playoffs. No championship yet. I think we're only in year three, but now we get to 07, I, I think a major year for LeBron and, and the whole Cavalier franchise. Uh, twenty seven seven and six All Star, and they reached the Eastern Conference Finals. I think for the first time since the nineties. I think ninety 
93. No, I'm sorry, 92, I believe. Um, and they get Detroit again. So Detroit is in the conference finals every single year from 02 to 07. They got, like you mentioned, they got bounced out by Miami in 06, and Miami wins the championship in 06. So now we get LeBron and Detroit, and we and we come to a pivotal game five, what I think many would say is one of the most important highlighted playoff games of all time where LeBron scores 48, he scores 29 in the fourth quarter in overtime, and 29 of the last 30 points of the Cavaliers in that game, and then they eventually take out Detroit in six. But how, what's the legacy for LeBron and the Cavaliers of game five against Detroit in that series? Well, a couple notes here. First of all, it was on the road, which the home team had won every game in this series. And, you know, Detroit is a tough place to play with that team, the way that they were in that, you know, winning a finals, making a finals, being in the Eastern Conference finals for a number of of straight years. Um, I want people, again, I want the young people who are listening to realize these were the scores in the first four games, 79-76, 79-76, 88-82, 91-87. Like, uh, you know, in the games that the Pistons won, the final score, both teams were under 80. Like, I'm sure people watched the Malice at the Palace clip recently. That was a really low-scoring, you know, score when you look at it. This was a different brand of basketball. And LeBron was like, was a, you know, we talk about, in media, we talk about people, uh, social media disruptors, right? Disrupting the way the, the old newspaper, you know, uh, TV guard and this it felt like LeBron was just disrupting what had the Pistons and the Pacers and the Wizards had been doing for a number of years um, and I remember this game just the the big deal being that he went into Detroit you know I know the numbers speak for themselves but that he went into Detroit he's still a kid and this team that has been dominating the last few years with this fan base, you know, with, I mentioned Malice at the Palace, like they were known as, they weren't quite the, the original bad boys Pistons, but they had this view of being the, the Pistons. And I'll say this on the other side, you you know this, you always feel this with NBA teams, the Warriors last year kind of being the latest. You even talk about the end of the the last, you know, when, when LeBron lost Kyrie, um, you start to see an NBA team that has a run. You start to see their vulnerability, like they're past their prime. And it felt like with this Pistons team, it was just it, it had just gone over the hump. And this is really the end for that, you know, that Pistons era that Ben Wallace isn't moving the same way that he's moving, or Rasheed yeah. Wallace and 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 those guys. And this was LeBron like putting the dagger in their hearts in Detroit. Yeah. Um you know, Marv Albert said that this was uh, one of the greatest moments in postseason history. And, you know, again, that game gets played all the time on NBA TV. And it, it, it kind of it shows you the changing of the guard, like you're mentioning. Everybody in Detroit is getting older now. Um, ben Wallace, Rip, Chauncey. You know, Chauncey will go to, to, to Denver, I think, you know, after that, look, Ben Wallace actually wasn't even on this team. He had he had moved on by this point to oh, the Bulls. Oh wow! The who was on? So that? he he was and and how much Ben Wallace do you remember with the Bulls? Not much. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying that because it wasn't that Not good. Not much. Like, nah. <laughs> um, LeBron had Shannon Brown, your boy Booby Gibson, uh, Drew Gooden, Larry Hughes, uh, Elgaskets. 
Damon Jones, Dwayne Jones, Donia Marshall, Ira Noble, Sasha Pavlovich, Scott Pollard, Eric Snow, Varjal, and David Wesley. That's so, the yeah, roster. Yeah. And we talked about it before, so I said Daniel Gibson was my guy this year. And one thing that I told you before was, you know, I remember watching so many Cavs games on Sunday afternoons. There used to be that 3 o'clock spot on ABC. I know they still do some Sunday afternoon ABC games. And the Cavs would play so many Sunday ABC games. And and it was must-watch TV. And I just remember Daniel Gibson was like, now LeBron's in his fourth year. And it feels like LeBron is becoming a veteran. And I remember him, Daniel Gibson was kind of his guy under his wing. You know, he stood out on the wing and just took threes. And I remember, I I think I thought to myself, if I was good enough to play with LeBron James, like that would be me. You know, I'd be the shooter (laughs) handling the ball a little bit, just out on the side, just trying to help LeBron as much as possible. But on top of that, I think this was, you're seeing the, and obviously this team goes to the finals, but this team is going to compete, especially in the regular season for the next few years. And you're starting to see the, the Zydrunas Ogowskis really uh, hitting his peak. Um, You're starting to see Anderson Varejao be a a legitimate help to LeBron here. Um, And I think that that was, this is the, the creation of what's going to be the Cavaliers for the next four years. Mm Mm-hmm. So they take care of Detroit, and LeBron is now in the NBA Finals, uh, 07, against the San Antonio Spurs. And, you know, at that time, you know, I don't, I, I wasn't really into ratings and all that stuff back then, but now we, we tend to go down the rabbit hole of, you know, what was the ratings for this finals and that game and that game. So... And you would think LeBron, a very high-profile player like Shaq and Kobe and those guys, if they're in the finals, everybody's going to watch. And this is LeBron's fourth year, right? So, me, I I saw it. But not a lot of people in America did. Now, that could be from the San Antonio side because anytime the Spurs are in the finals, it does not get a big number because of how, you know, the style of play, they're, they're boring, they're more precise, and they're not flashy. Maybe that's why, but... Before I get to more about the finals, the 07 finals was the lowest rated, lowest watched finals in NBA history. And to me, to me that's, that's no knock on LeBron. It just, it just happened to, to be that way. Maybe because he was there by himself. And they played San Antonio. and It's a pretty okay market, but it's not Chicago, LA, New York, and Boston, and, and Philly. So when I tell you that, one, did you know about that? But And two... When you hear the lowest rated, lowest watch finals uh, series of all time, what do you what do you think is the reason behind that? I, so I've heard it before. It's not the first time that I've heard it. And I, I almost compare it to the 2018 finals when I think about it. Um, the story was, wow, LeBron James made the NBA finals. But the other part of the story was, the realistic part of the story was, this team is not good to, good enough to play in the in the NBA Finals. Um, it felt like that Cavs team had done, you know, they did everything they could to make the finals, and it was incredibly impressive. But it just felt like, I mean, it was David, it was David versus Goliath, mm. and Goliath was, you know, this. Remember, this is this is going to be the Spurs' fourth title of the Popovich era. This is Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker in their prime. Yeah, this is. Uh, at this point, um, 
I mean, not, not just at this point, this is one of my favorite stats that people don't talk about enough is from night for, so from the end of the Jordan era from 99 to 2010. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go even to 99 to 2011. Only the Lakers Spurs and Mavericks made the finals out of the West. I don't think people quite understand just how dominant that Spurs team was at the time. So it just felt like, and remember the Spurs swept them, you know, it wasn't, it really wasn't a fair fight. So that's why I compare it to the, the 2018 final when LeBron's Cavs, you just felt like this team really doesn't have a chance against these warriors. And it was just hard to watch. And I feel like that was what it was like in the 2007 finals. Yeah. But at least 2018 was a little more, Entertaining. You had the, the defending champions. You had LeBron. That game one where you everybody thought they was gonna win. LeBron had a fifty point plus triple double. Then the J.R. Smith stuff happens, and you you I thought they were gonna win at least game one. But then again, they but, lost. And he got but swept. by by game three and four of that series, how did you feel? Uh, you kind of you kind of feel the Warriors had um a stranglehold on the Cavaliers. Like it, it felt exhausting. It felt like they blew that chance, and it was yeah. almost hard to watch those games mm-hmm. the rest of the way. It felt like they were f- trying to tread water every game. Um, and I think, but again, it goes back to the brand of basketball that that was. I'm looking at the scores right now: eighty-five, seventy-six in Game One of that Finals, one hundred three, ninety-two in the second, and then you had seventy-five, seventy-two, and eighty-three, eighty-two. Who wants to watch a seventy-five, seventy-two game? Classic. That's classic. <laughs> <laughs> You get you get that score in the third quarter now. 75-72 and up those 75, you know, 20, 20 points or well, I guess Tony Parker led the Spurs with 17. You know, who knows? 12 of those points are Tim Duncan bank shots. Mm. Which I love, but I understand Ameri- you know, uh, the world not being uh crazy f- about just watching Tim Duncan bank shots while uh while Zadrinas Logosis tries to chase him up and down the court. Right. Now, would you have preferred Detroit, San Antonio, Miami? No, no, no. I still think think LeBron helped. I mean, look, Kobe's the next, you know, Kobe bringing the Lakers to the next three finals. And I think one thing that ignited the the league a little bit was the Celtics trade happens in in the the next Mm -hmm. offseason. It helped the league in terms of develop storylines. Everyone wants to watch the Lakers. Everyone wants to wants to watch Kobe. Uh, the the Celtics became such a storyline the next three years. You know they were the first of this super team era, um, and that's when people say basketball was a little bit boring when it was just this defensive minded mid two thousands. Um, let's run up and down the floor and and you know just beat the crap out of guys and play slow and. You know, there weren't three point shooters were still kind of just developing. They were still, you know, Ray Allen was doing his thing, but there there weren't there wasn't the Steph era of shooters yet. So it was just a little slow. But LeBron, like I said, mm-hmm. LeBron was a disruptor. And this whole LeBron, Wade, Melo, now they're becoming all right. Now they're not just the cool young kids. They're about to be the stars of this league. Right. So LeBron would go on to average 22, uh, 8, and 5 in that final. It was not bad, but they get swept by San Antonio. Again, lowest rated finals in history, 6.2 rating, and over 9 million viewers in total uh, combined average watching that finals. Um, I do recall, you know, many people have seen it, the video of Duncan and LeBron talking in the locker room, and they're, they're hugging, and 
did talk about, you know, Duncan was saying something like, um, this is going to be your league in a little while, but thank you for letting us have this one. And they start laughing because, you know, again, that, that was 07. Duncan, Duncan does not win another ring on seven, until seven years later against LeBron. So Duncan had a little timeout. LeBron started getting more acclimated. We had the, the, the big three Boston era, Kobe and the Lakers. So I think Duncan was right. He said, "Hey man, I, I, I'll take this one because it's gonna be a long time before I get one more, and that's that's what happened." I, and I don't think he even knew what was about to happen. With <laughs> Nobody the NBA. knew. Nobody knew. You know, he just thought he was being nice, but right. he did not realize what was about to go down. So at this point, we get LeBron doing what he did in Game Five against Detroit, forty-eight, uh, bringing his team to the finals, but. W- where is LeBron at this point when it comes to the NBA? Is he the best in the league? Is he top two, top three, top five? Because at this time, you still got Kobe. I mentioned Duncan. You got Garnett, Nash, Dirk, Melo, T-Mac, a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, good guys um, playing. But where is LeBron once he brings this team to the finals? Where is LeBron on the totem pole? I think he, you know, immediately I think top five because I think Kobe was still, uh, you know, this is peak Kobe right here. This is Kobe dropping 81. This is Kobe um, doing things. I remember watching the Lakers and maybe I would have been a terrible coach, but thinking on those bad co- those bad teams, just let Kobe shoot a three every possession and just see what happens or a mid-range. Like if, you know, I started doing the math. If Kobe takes every shot in every possession, you might win the game. Um not to give, not to make Kobe feel like he should take even more shots, but he was that good at the time. Uh, we talk about Nash winning those two MVPs. You know, Duncan coming off another championship performance. I think these guys and Dirk uh, had just won an MVP. These guys are really right at the top. But LeBron is LeBron had a free pass. All right, he made his first finals. He did. He he, he defied expectations and made it. But now it's like, all right. You should be making the NBA Finals every year, and I think that would have been the mentality if it weren't for the Celtics totally changing the Eastern Conference in that 2007 offseason. Yeah, because I, you know, if you look at it, that could have been that could have been the first time if Boston don't do the big three stuff. That could have been the very first time you get LeBron and Kobe in the finals. Um, because you know Lakers made it in a way. LeBron was in the conference semis, in a way they lose to Boston. I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but that could have been the first real opportunity that you get LeBron and Kobe in the finals. But you get an old school retro throwback finals between Boston and LA, and I think a lot of people really tuned in for that. They did, they did, they definitely did, and and I think that because LeBron still wasn't there, you know, think about all the pressure that LeBron had when he got to Miami or when he came back to Cleveland. He didn't have that. LeBron was still the cool young kid that just was was fun to watch. You know, uh, um, I mean, we talked about Luca a little at the beginning. Like, I'm not saying he was Luca, but you know, Luca's gonna have a couple free passes in the next couple years if he think you know if he's gonna be one of the all time greats. And what he's doing in his second year at age 20 is incredibly impressive. But like you know, you still giving guys like that a free pass. It felt like LeBron had a free pass, and then maybe he would have had the expectations in a way of being like, all right, now you gotta take your team back to the finals. But when the Celtics made that trade, the entire everyone who watched NBA basketball said the Boston Celtics are now the favorite to win the title. 
So all of a sudden, you know, LeBron, it was just kind of a fluke 07 to a lot of people. And that now he's, you know, he's got, he's a great player. Mm. He's doesn't have a great necessarily team around him, but you have three superstars playing basketball together. I mean, that was never that, that changed, you know, that wasn't something that people had seen Really, if you you really have to go back to to like the Lakers Celtics '80s era to find a team that felt like that that 0708 Celtics team. Yeah, and you know people get on the Warriors for having the big super team, but they they drafted those guys. I think Boston was the first team that you know. I know we're going a little off course, but Paul Pierce he he wanted out. I'm uh, not too sure if Doc wanted out. Maybe Paul Pierce won out because of Doc Rivers. I don't know, but then you get you get uh, the first domino with Ray Allen trade with uh, Seattle. Jeff Green was involved in that. Now Garnett comes on board in that trade, which is I forgot who was involved. Al Jefferson, a big uh, Al Jefferson. Now they drafted Rondo that year. Yes or no? Uh, I want to say it was Rondo's second year, second. but I could be wrong. Okay, no, they they drafted Big Baby. That's who they drafted, right? Uh, I'm checking while you keep going. Okay, so my point is like, you know, that team comes together. It's not done by the, by the draft. And I think when Paul Pierce says, I want out, they do everything in their power to keep him there. And they get Ray Allen, who was still effective coming from Seattle, still effective. Um, Kevin Garnett, who who wanted out of Minnesota for 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 the longest time, they weren't going anywhere, he, and he he did so much for that franchise. They said, "Hey, man, we're gonna you know hook you up. I'll send you wherever you want to go." And it became Boston, but nobody knew that that team was gonna win in the very first year. Uh, they could have went further in year two because of, of the Garnett injury. And they went to Game Seven in, in, in 2010, and they were right back in, in in the mix in 2011. So that the the LeBron, the end of the of the, the, the LeBron Cavalier Part One era, pretty much gets derailed by Boston. Well, I, you know, I think that the the at least the the LeBron's last two Cavs teams on that first run with the Cavs were better than the team that made the finals, but the Eastern Conference had gotten better. Yeah. Um, the Eastern Conference was so weak in the mid 2000s. That's listen. That's why LeBron made that 07 Finals. He wouldn't have made it out of the Western Conference. But you know, then you have the 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 arrival of Dwight Howard. The Celtics become such a thing um, in those those three those three years that the Celtics and Magic make the make the finals, and the the Cavs are right there. Those all three of those teams were really great teams, and it was just a different. It was a different life and, you know, a different – everything was different for LeBron because of that Celtics trade. Now, also just – so Rondo was was in his second year on that Celtics team and Glenn Davis was picked number 35 overall. Okay. So the question I got for you now is this because there, this is a debate to a degree. Like who took the worst team to the finals, LeBron with Cleveland or 0-1 Iverson with Philly? So to be fair – Iverson did have the following. Raja Bell, Rodney Buford, Matt Geiger, Tyrone Hill, Jermaine Jones, Kukoc, George Lynch, Todd McCullough, Vernon Maxwell. Wow, I forgot about him. Aaron McKee, Rashawn McLeod, Anthony Miller, Nazi Muhammad, Matumbo, Kevin Ollie, Theo Ratliff, Pepe Sanchez, and Eric Snow. Who had the worst roster 
being taken to the finals? Iverson 01 Philly or LeBron 07 Cleveland? Listen, those teams both are are just horrid. Um, you know, I think um, I, I think that LeBron had the worst team, and I'll say this: that that seventy sixers team that Iverson carried, um, it wasn't like it came out of the blue. He'd been carrying them the last few years, um, so I think that we all like. I don't think people realized it at the time because Eric Snow, Aaron McKee, Tony Petit, guys like that were just daily. Like we saw him in the playoffs every year with, with Iverson. Um, and I also think Matumbo is better than any player that LeBron had on that team. And I know it was a little bit older Matumbo, but that like Dikembe Matumbo on that 76ers team could still play defense, you know, was still a top five defender in the NBA. And I don't think LeBron had that on his team. Oh man. I mean, like it's tough, right? It's either tough. or is terrible, and you know what? Both teams went up against a, a juggernaut: the 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 one Lakers and the 07 Spurs. You're not beating. You can get you can get to the finals. You could beat your Toronto's and Milwaukee's, but you get Shaq and Kobe, Phil Jackson, and in, in, in the championship round, you get Greg Pop, Duncan, Ginobili, Parker. It, it's, it's too much, but you know, um, I, I still I think those are. Two, I think the, the in my modern day era, the two worst teams to ever make the finals. Now people could say New Jersey, but at least New Jersey won two games in 03. I know the kid R.J. Uh, Kenyon Kittles a, a little more respectable, not the superstar like LeBron or, or AI but was, but they, they made two. You know, like they made two back, finals. Yeah. At least that it's hard to 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 knock to knock someone who made two finals. Right. Yeah. Um. So in 08, we mentioned big three, Boston, LeBron, you know, gets derailed by them in the conference uh, semifinals. LeBron, uh, during the year, all-star, MVP, uh, his second one, he passed Brad Doherty as the Cavs' all-time leading scorer. He won the scoring title, so I think that was the first time he, he did that, averaging 30 points a game. They were the fourth seed, 45-37. They beat the Wizards round one, lose to Boston round two. So now I'm asking you, is that season somewhat looked at as a failure? Because I know the big three is going on with Boston, but is that a a disappointing failure season for LeBron, knowing that he was there in the finals the year prior but could not get that team back? Look, I'm sure LeBron was disappointed. I'm sure people in Cleveland were disappointed. But when you look from a from an objective eye, I don't think that people thought that at the beginning of the season or at the start of the playoffs, no one thought that that Cavs team was better than the Celtics team. And they took that Celtics team to seven games. So, you know, it's hard to, to argue that that was, it probably felt bad for them. They got it, you know, knocked out two rounds earlier than the year before, but no one was sitting around, not no one, but it wasn't really a thought with that team. Like they were the better team. It was, LeBron's such a good player. He's got to carry this team and be more clutch in the playoffs. But he had an amazing season, and it's just the Celtics were a more put-together team that struggled in the first half of that season, but by the end of the season uh, was playing the best in the NBA, and that's why they won the NBA title that year. So my big... Remember, 66 and 16, that Celtics team was. Wow. Wow. And they beat the, the Lakers in the finals who just... You know, really still coming together. They got the the Paul Gasol trade at the at the trade deadline, and um, again, Kobe was out to prove that he can win without Shaq, and that did not happen. They get blown out in uh, Game Six. I know Kobe never 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 forgot about that. So, 
Uh, again, now I think now was the first time we we could have had a shot at LeBron and Kobe in the finals. But to me, Jeff, the number one opportunity to have LeBron and Kobe in the finals was 2009. Um, Cavaliers blew it, man. <laughs> they lost to Orlando in the conference finals. LA is doing their thing. They're in the finals, and we get Dwight Howard and. Uh, Mikel Petrus, <laughs> Jamil Nelson, and Rafer in the finals, but not not LeBron. They lose to uh, Orlando in the conference finals in six. LeBron goes, uh, he wins the MVP again uh, for the regular season. All star, yes, averaging twenty eight seven seven in his prime. Kobe in his prime. Black Mamba going crazy. But how how big of an NBA what if? How big of a major like damn for not ever having LeBron and Kobe go at it in the NBA Finals, especially in that year without seemed to be the prime year to do it. That one hurt. You know, that one was, uh, I, I feel like everyone also wrote the, the, uh, the Cavs into the finals, like midway through that playoffs, if not earlier, uh, the Celtics playing without Garnett, so you're taking them out of the equation. It just didn't feel like anyone else in the East could win other than LeBron and the Cavs. And remember, one name that you didn't mention, Haydu Turkoglu, mm. uh, came out of not nowhere because he'd been in the, in the NBA for you know 10 to 12 years at that point. Right. But no one saw what he was about to do. And you know, some guy sometimes a guy just gets unconscious like that. Uh, he was. It felt like the catalyst. To what they were doing. Dwight Howard, listen, Dwight Howard was, remember, this is peak Dwight Howard. This was a great player um, who, you know, people would have argued Dwight Howard was a top five player that season. But LeBron, and, and this is where things start to unravel a little with Cleveland because I'm looking here. These are LeBron's point totals in that series 49 in a loss in game one, hmm. 30, 35, 41, 44, 37, 25. Um, and these are not, you know, for the most part, some of these games are not the most high scoring. The game he had 49, the Cavs only had 106. So we're not exactly talking, you know, about games in the 130s. He was carrying, I I, I don't think people, because, you know, we're going to get to what happened the next year against the Celtics. Uh, but no one was saying that LeBron didn't do the very, you know, kind of the best he could do. It felt like LeBron didn't have enough. And this is why you're going to see the the Cavs as an organization. Mm. The reason that they trade for Antoine Jameis in the offseason, the reason they try to make some moves is because they realize that they have to have to try to do what they can to keep LeBron. Uh, you know, it was actually one of the moves that they made that season, I believe midseason to try to to try to give LeBron the supporting cast. Um, he uh, or no, they got him the season before they brought in Ben Wallace. Yeah. Um, yeah. but he was just, he was done, yeah. you know, and, and that was just a miss. And you know what? That was the problem and we'll get there, but that was the problem with Cleveland where they never really gave LeBron that second, that second go-to guy, that second superstar. They patch it with a Ben, like an aging Ben Wallace or Antoine Jameson. And then, you know, they wanted some rumor that, Amare Stoudemire could be traded to Cleveland, but they didn't want to give up J.J. Hickson of all people. And I'm like, bro, what are you what are you talking about? Why why won't you trade 
I mean, I don't know. I've heard that rumor. I don't know how solid it is, but you might have heard about it too. But there was something, some talk about maybe Amari, but they didn't want to give up J.J. Hickson. I'm like, J.J. Hickson is nowhere near Amari Stoudemire. What are you doing? You got you to gotta do these things to maybe because Amari was going to be free agent the following year, maybe, but still better player than J.J. But you got this is what you got to do to keep your franchise player, your a potential top five, top three all-time NBA player on your roster. You never know if he might he might ship out the following year, but no matter what, they 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 tried they tried to do this patchwork that never worked out. Because when you mentioned Ben Wallace, I'm looking at it right now that 09 team, it was Booby, JJ, uh, Big Z, Darnell Jackson. I don't know who he is. Trey Johnson, Terence Kinsey. I don't know who that is. Sasha Pavlovich, Joe Smith. Joe Smith is still in the league in 2009. Zerbiak, they, they brought in Zerbiak, Varajal, Ben Wallace, Delante. Jawad Williams, Mo Williams, who was an all-star, but he wasn't an all-star without LeBron, and Lorenzen Wright. So you mean to tell me that's the best you can do to try to keep LeBron there going forward? Joe Smith, former number one overall pick. That's right. Um, and so that's when you look at it back at that Magic team that had, uh, you know, Dwight, Jameer Nelson, um, uh, Heydu Turkoglu, Michael Petrus. Uh, it doesn't feel as Rafer Alston. It, it, I guess, it doesn't feel as bad now when you go up and down that roster and say LeBron was trying to carry this against, you know, like with with you know against a legitimate NBA team with these scrubs, um, and that's why they finally. The, the, I mean, it's really from an emotional standpoint. You know, now looking back, the next season, LeBron's last in his first stint in Cleveland is just so much about uh, the organization trying to do everything that they can to keep LeBron to a point, right? You talk about the MRA and them believing that J.J. Hickson had too much long-term potential that they would risk losing LeBron in free agency, um, you know, to do this. There's also another guy that they brought in in that 09 offseason who I think they thought would help LeBron, LeBron stay. You know who I'm talking about? Uh, no. Shaquille O'Neal. But that was 10, right? Yeah, I'm saying 09, 010. I'm oh, saying the yeah. next season, the last season. Oh, boy, yeah. Come on. You're bringing in a, a, a passes prime Shaq. <laughs> it, 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 I swear it, it reminds me of what the Knicks did. The Knicks would do, oh, we get we got T-Mac, pass prime. We got Jason Kidd. I love J.K., but passes prime. We get Metal World Peace, who you should have drafted 14 years ago in 99. Um, you get so many players Vin Baker, Jalen Rose, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You get all these great people on paper, but I'm like, they, Rasheed Wallace, another one. We get all these guys on the roster, but like five, six years too late, and it's like, what can I do with that? Listen, this isn't a defense of signing <laughs> Shaq. He he was uh, he was actually an All Star the year before his last year in Phoenix. Oh yeah. Um. So you know he was past his prime, but he was still delivering for a great Suns team that you know still had Amari and Nash out there. Um. And you know just looking up and down. So you read off that roster that 08 to 09. The 09 to 2010 team looks totally different. Um, and a lot of that is because, you know, of the additions of, I mentioned Antoine Jameson and, and Shaq, and they were, you know, trying, even Sebastian Telfair was on this team. They were trying to figure something out. Um, 
to you know to keep LeBron. So they start that year with Mo Williams, who's coming off an All Star season. Mo Williams, Shaq, LeBron, Antoine Jameson, um, and I guess I'm not really. Sh- I'm trying to think who would else who else would have been the, I guess the shooting guard in that lineup. But they uh, they 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 started the year feeling like they had more depth. And to be fair, I'm looking at it right now. Orlando did have a, a better roster that year. Rayford, Tony Petit, Keith Bogans, Brian Cook, Foyle, Gortat, Dwight, Anthony Johnson, Courtney Lee, Rashard Lewis, Tyron Lou, Jermaine Nelson, Mikel Petrus, J.J. Redick, Jeremy Richardson, and Hito Turkoglu. So, yeah, yeah. You're talking about that was the 09 playoffs. That was the 09 team that beat LeBron in, uh, in 09. Yeah, and, and you know it's it was unfortunate that LeBron didn't get that crack at the finals, but it did feel like that Magic team uh, had an underdog mentality about it. That they did the it felt like fans were excited by it, and then you start having you know God, you want to date ourselves conversations like could Dwight be as good as LeBron? <laughs> yeah, that that was, that was out there. Le, uh, Dwight Hall of Famer. It, can he be better than Shaq? It was it was uh, plenty of those back then. Plenty. There were there were takes. Yeah. There were there wasn't Twitter, but there were takes. Hot takes, <laughs> sizzling, hot takes. Um, I had this in front of me, so I did see that when you uh, go into 2010 real quick. The Cavaliers did trade Zerbiak and JJ Hickson and a 09 first rounder for Jameson. And Deshaun Stevenson. So, again, you're trying to help LeBron uh, cater to him. Don't worry, LeBron. We got got Antoine Jameson coming on board. We got Shaq on board. We got Deshaun Stevenson. Don't go nowhere. Like, it just, I don't don't know. I don't understand why when they could have made a big potential trade or, or, or potential free agent signing. That that summer we'll, we'll get to it, but nobody was coming to Cleveland. Joe Kim Noah said, "Who goes to Cleveland for vacation?" He said himself. <laughs> Bosh wasn't going there. D Wade wasn't going there. Uh, any other free agent? Amari was not going there. Uh, Boozer, he ain't going. He, he ain't going back there. So it's like at some point in time, LeBron really thought, "Listen, if if nobody's coming here, and everybody thinks I'm the best player in in the world." Yeah, I might look a little crazy going to somewhere else to try to win, but nobody wants to come here because management is cold in Cleveland. I I just that's the one big what if like if he had one other superstar on the roster like Boston did, then he might not have, have ever left the Cavaliers in uh in uh, the first place. Well, I think that, you know, the biggest thing, and if the Cavs did it again, I think that the Cavs went um they were too nervous about they they didn't hit they didn't they they hedged too much i guess you could say they either should have been all in or all out with lebron um they thought that they could do enough to keep him around and that maybe the east was weak enough that they could do enough to have success and keep him around until finding someone um and i think that you know by by bringing in like guys like antoine jameson um that was like too much of a middle ground. Either trade LeBron and bring get in as much get in as many pieces as you can, or um, or you know 
go all in, and if he leaves in free agency, at least you went in this season. Look at the Raptors. Masai Ujiri went all in with Kawhi Leonard, and it worked. So sometimes you got to make those decisions. And I'd also say that some small market teams, you know, we're in New York. Right, we've been following the Knicks all our lives. Like it's different um, because the Knicks are going to sell out Madison Square Garden every game, no matter what. Mm. The Cleveland, if the Cle- if the Cavs, you know, LeBron was the most important person to a region, not just Cleveland, to a region of this country at the time. So you're doing everything that you can, you know, to make sure that LeBron stays there in the long run. And look, I was. More surprised than, you know, I, I was more surprised than I ever could have imagined being the day that he decided to leave Cleveland. I think that everyone thought this guy is going to be a Cleveland Cavaliers lifer. Today, we think about the NBA and guys move around all the time. Back then, and you still had, you know, Duncan, Dirk, uh, guys that played Kobe, guys that played on the same team mm. for so long that the idea of LeBron, who grew up in Akron, and played for the Cavs and had, you know, one was was finishing first place in the East every year. The idea of him leaving wasn't on people's mind. It really wasn't. I mean, listen, it, it wasn't on my mind. Um, you know, I mean, it, we knew it was a possibility, but you know what I'm saying? Like everyone was still betting on Cleveland. Yeah. To sign him. When, when that special comes up, first of all, if you're having a special on ESPN, that uh, to me, that's a red flag. Like, uh, okay, he ain't staying. Before that, I'm thinking, oh, he he he'll stay. He might get a free agent here, here, uh, here and there. LeBron ain't going nowhere. And me thinking selfishly, oh, he's coming to he's coming to uh, New York. I'm not thinking Miami. I'm not thinking Chicago. I'm not thinking anywhere else. It's either Cleveland or New York. But when you go on national television, ESPN, and they did all the stuff for the charity, that's cool, fine by me. But when you do that, you can't go on there to, to me and be like, I'm staying. Because the the, the impact won't be as, as as big enough. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. And uh man, I mean it's it's just um it's just different, you know, now and and LeBron has said LeBron has said, you know, I regret the way that I handled it back then. Um, I think that he thought he basically disguised what he was doing by doing this, the charitable aspect. But what it turned into was a public, you know, uh, I'm trying to put this in the most delicate way possible. A public bashing of the Cleveland Cavaliers organization was how it felt. You know, they didn't, they found out like everyone else watching that, which is crazy to think about. Um, you know, such a, you, you think that these teams and, you know, you, you look at the woges of the world that know everything. And it was yeah. like the Cleveland Cavaliers found out that their franchise player who grew up around the corner, who was the number one pick, who just won two, you know, a couple MVPs and was all of these accolades was, uh, was leaving. And he said it not to them, <laughs> but to the world to on the world. TV and, and you know it's a Jim Gray, and uh, I think um, I think that you know we're not getting into this here, but for me personally, that changed you know for a while that changed my opinion of LeBron, and I think it just changed his entire public perception for a long time. So we don't we don't get to this uh, this part without 
LeBron again beating uh beating being um taken down by by Boston in the 2010 playoffs round two I believe um so again LeBron is out by Boston you had the visual of him leaving the tunnel in game six taking off his jersey pause that before that there was some indication that when they, they played game five that the the rumor was he that he gave up he tanked it in. He didn't really put out effort, and everybody was questioning LeBron's uh, integrity and everything. Like, oh, he he didn't really want it. He he, he don't want it. He didn't play hard enough. Uh, he he didn't come prepared. So there was that stigma going on at the game five, like the 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 testing the integrity of of your franchise player. He goes into game six, does what he does. He still loses, and now you get the tunnel image. With the jersey coming off, and and I think Mike Breen is saying that you know could that be the last time LeBron wears a Cavalier uniform? And everybody's like, all right, from this point on, until July, that's the only thing we're going to talk about because the 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 playoff round after that and the finals, yeah, it got love, but everybody wanted to know what what, what LeBron was going to do and where he was going to go for the remainder of his career and stuff like that. So seeing that image, I, I'm at home watching it, and I'm like. I don't think LeBron's coming back, but I could mm-hmm. be totally wrong. He might come back and change and change my mind and shock everybody. I don't think he's coming back because I want him in New York. That's that's all I care about. <laughs> I want him in New York because if you're if you're the best player in the world that everybody has crowned you to be, and you have not won a championship, which he, you know he does later. Why not play for New York? Why not do it in the Mecca at the Garden in the world's most famous arena? People don't care about that shit no more. They don't care about the garden and this and Broadway, and they don't care about that no more. Back then, I still felt it had some value because at that time, the Knicks were making moves to have enough money for LeBron James, and they get Stoudemire, and that's you know neither here nor there. But it was just like, if he's gonna leave, he's coming to New York. Now Miami comes from way left field, like even like the day before. Stephen A is saying, "Oh, I, Miami's in the mix now," and I'm like, "Miami for what? Like, why? What? D Wade is there? Okay, yeah, right, D Wade and LeBron's cool. Then you're getting Chris Bosh might be in the mix, and I'm like, holy shit! It, nah, this this can't go down. And then lo and behold, I'm pretty sure me and you are watching at home the special, and you you see that moment LeBron said he paused it like, oh, this is this very tough. Once you say that, he ain't going back to Cleveland." And everybody knew from that point on. He said, oh, I'm going to Miami, take my talents. And it was like, holy shit, LeBron leaving the Cavs. And like you said, Cavaliers ain't know about it until that point. He, I don't know if he called him a minute before. I don't know. But that's a tough way to find out your franchise player is leaving. And then you get burning jerseys. You get Dan Gilbert with the letters saying LeBron would never win a championship before we do. And you know, look how that worked out. So... I think that's been. I know I get to the to the to the Miami Big Three era down the road because it'll be ten years in 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 uh, in July. That's that, that's how crazy it is. Ten years already, man. But um, when it happens, what is your first thought that LeBron is leaving? He's going. He's going with D uh, D Wade. He's going with Chris Bosh, and Bosh is going. So, what did you make of the the formation of the Big Three? And how it just kind of scarred the Cavaliers and their fans going forward. 
Well, let, let me just backtrack and talk real fast about that, the Celtics series, because okay. so game five, um, you know, I think LeBron gets too much crap for that, for quote unquote, giving up on that game. Um, you know, I think because it was at home, that also has to do with it. But the Celtics were beating down on the Cavs that game. Shaq was actually the leading scorer. I just want you to know of that game for the Cavs. Game five of the second round, 21 points. Wow. And then he goes to the Celtics the next year. That's neither here nor there. Um, you know, I think that now in the load management era, I think that things are also looked at differently. That was not an elimination game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, LeBron came out and had a triple double in game six and gave it everything he had. And that team just wasn't good enough. Um, I think that the reason you had Cavs fans so angry and people feeling so bad for the Le- Cavs fans that LeBron left is because he didn't accomplish the job in those years in Cleveland. Those what seven years in Cleveland. Um, and that was that he left and it felt like they'd been building something and pushing for something for years and LeBron was entering his prime and there was no sign that he sent them before you said walking off the court mm-hmm. that he wasn't all in with Cleveland. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's gone. And on top of that, so you mentioned the, the Celtics creating the big three. The difference between the Celtics big three and the Heat big three felt like the Celtics were a result of trades, were a result of Danny Ainge moving around pieces. And those guys didn't say, all right, we're all going to play together. You mentioned it before. Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen got traded to the Celtics. So that was always seen as a great management move. The Heat move, all three of those guys were free agents. And all three of them were entering their prime. And I think that everyone loves Pat Riley as a villain. So there was just this whole mentality that he spurred. You know, if he would have left Cleveland for the Knicks or the Lakers, at least you could argue. He, he's trying to he's trying to get his back. He's trying to cash those checks. He's trying to you know work Nike and is in one of the prime markets in this country. Mm. We get it. But he went to Miami, which isn't known for having the greatest basketball fans. Um you know, is already kind of got its due with Dwayne Wade and Shaq winning a few years ago. Right. And has 100% picked a team that makes basically, you know, it's like people were saying he's lazy. He's just picked a team that he's got his help. And this is still an era, like I said, of the Dirk, Duncan, Kobe guys who stick with the same roster through th- through through everything and I know Kobe threatened to leave multiple times and Duncan almost signed with the Magic but they stayed with these teams and Garnett really had to be dragged away from the Timberwolves that it's like this is my squad we're going to build around this and we're going to I'm going to get my title with the with the people of this city and LeBron made that decision as a superstar to get out and go play you know with a with a much better team so that was, you know, I, I know some of this is obvious, but I think looking at hindsight 2020, it's also, you know, no one would be surprised with that move today because now you see so many guys trying to get to the best team possible because they're not going to just try to basically do what Dirk did, which was stay with the Mavs his whole career and just kind of hope that he hits his peak season or that injuries happen or he gets a couple good pieces and just has that one year that he wins. Mm. Um, the, the decision, that's what it was called. Uh, 9.9 million people watched the show and 13 million people watched at the time LeBron was making the announcement. Um, more people was watching it in Cleveland, obviously. Um, 
Taking My Talents to South Beach becomes a punchline for critics. And many Cavaliers fans consider this uh, as an act of betrayal, like the uh, the move from Art Modell relocating the Browns to Baltimore, the drive, the shot, the fumble, all uh, part of the Cleveland Sports Hall of Shame. Dan Gibber with the with the with the with the letter. Uh, he gets fined later on. LeBron jerseys get burned to the ground on sale. And LeBron did say that he wanted to. Um, he chose to promote the drama of the the, the decision in an hour long show to notify Cleveland and the other teams of his plans as a common courtesy. So um, then you get the whole parade and the not three, not four, not five and um, listen, man, as a fan, uh, you know, that's like if I'm a Knicks fan and, you know, no, you know what? I backtrack. When I was a Bull fan, let's say Michael Jordan was a free agent and I'm like, all right, you know, he, he he's coming back. I'm going to sign with the New York Knicks. and like, holy shit, what are you doing? No, 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 no. Then, then I'll, be, I'll stop being a fan. I'll probably stop liking Michael Jordan and the Bulls and everything. It just... It was just a weird time that you never saw. I think because of the fact that people thought people said LeBron was the best player in the game. You're an MVP. You're a scoring leader. You're all star. This and that. You're you're considered to be the one of the goats, and you're leaving this franchise to play with somebody else to win. It was just, you know, it was just un- unheard of. Boston's big three was made by, by by trade. You know, Kevin Garnett didn't say, "Yo, I'm going to I'm going to Paul Pierce in Boston." Ray Allen didn't say, "I'm going to." Paul Pierce in Boston and Garnett. It just happened via trade. LeBron said, I'm out. And I think the one key important thing is the fact that if Carmelo don't sign that 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 previous deal with Denver, it 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 would not be Chris Bosch. It'll be Carmelo. And the Carmelo will have a ring today or two. That's interesting. Although I, I just don't know if the the mentality at the time was Bosch saying, I'm clearly not not as good as these guys. And Wade already had a ring. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of, I, I got my, like, Dwayne Wade didn't have, never had to prove to anyone he could win a ring. He could carry a squad to a ring because he did it. Right. He was an NBA Finals MVP. Um, with Melo, I think you got to remember Melo's a competitive guy. I just don't know. I, I just feel like Melo had to find, Melo wanted a place, Melo wanted his own team and he wanted it to be in a bigger market than Denver. Um, and I think that that's why it was always going to be New York. Listen, you could you could say <laughs> what really should have happened is that everyone should have held off and waited half a season, and then the Knicks could have signed you know Melo to a contract <laughs> without trading. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, which by the way, I was thinking about that trade the other day, right? Ray Felton, uh, Wilson Chandler, mm. um, uh. Gallinari and Mozgov, Mozgov. right? Gallinari is still playing. Like Gallinari is still, still logging. Still going. He, he, he might be the best player in the Oklahoma City Thunder right now. You're right. Oh my God. Then what? Ray, Ray Felton came back to New York. Ray Felton came back a couple He was with uh, Denver for like a year or two, kind of played behind Ty Lawson, uh, ended up coming back to the Knicks. Um, you know, the Knicks, uh, they, uh, no one else, I guess. Well, Wilson Chandler's back in yeah. in New York now with the Nets, but and, uh, th- that that's the that's the part that always got me. Like, I know Melo's back now, but it was like, how's Melo not in? And before Jeremy Lin left last year, but like everybody who you kind of associated with Melo 
was still the NBA and not him. So Melo's gone, but you get Jeremy Lin. They had the whole big thing, but he's still in the NBA. He got a chip with Toronto. Then it's like um, um, Gallinari st- still kicking, still going. Moscow probably not. He, he's not there no more. Um, Chandler still is still around. Shumper just got back, and I'm like, what's going on, man? Got to sign Melo, and that's a different topic. But um, to me, I, I think that that was a story that if Melo would have waited, could he sign? His uh, extension in 08, if I'm not mistaken, to stay with Denver. But if he had waited, him, LeBron, Wade would have all been uh, a free agent at the time. And they all could have been because they all want to play with each other. And like I, I don't think Bosch was in, in that mix at all. It just it just happened to work out that way. And then you take a 25 point per game scorer, 10, 10 rebound guy in Bosch. With a 28-point-per-game score in D-Wade, with a guy like LeBron, who's a triple-double master, and you put those three in Miami, they lost in the year one, but it was just very surreal how how that moment changed. To me, it changed the whole dynamic of the NBA, even even now leading up to, uh, to the Warriors. It changed and also remember some of the guys that, that ended up jumping with LeBron to the heat, like the Mike Bibbies and... Uh, Mike Miller, think- Battier, yeah. Ray like- Allen. The guys that right away were like, I'll take whatever crap money you want to pay me. I understand these guys are taking up the salary cap. I just want to play, you know, with one of the top teams in the in the league. Bro, everybody said, you know what? I'll take a one year deal. I got to play James James Jones. I'll play two minutes a night. I'll spot up and I'm good. So that just that's how it is, man. Miami was very fortunate to get those uh, those championships, and you know Ray Allen came there, and Ray Allen got his own his own beef with Boston. It was just a lot of things going on once LeBron left. But if I had to ask you to wrap it up, how would you? As someone said, Jeff, you know, describe to me LeBron's first tenure with the Cavaliers. How how would you? I would say it's more up than down, but how would you kind of pinpoint it to where this is what? how I would describe LeBron's first stint with the Cavaliers. Uh, the first word that comes to mind is electric, just because I think about the the hype that, that how big it was every time those Cavs teams were on TV. Because, and you see even this year, right, the Pelicans were on TNT last night because they kept putting the Pelicans on, on national TV this year. Zion hasn't played, but, you know, people love to see that young star right. that they don't always get to see. So I, I remember that so much. I would say that, you know, I, I, I don't underwhelming is not the right word. I want to say um, it felt empty at the end. It felt yeah. like LeBron left before the before the job was done, mm-hmm. before the task was finished. And, you know, um, I'm not saying it's the same thing, but like you go to an you go to a New York Giants game. Let's say you go to the Giants game on Sunday. Right. Right. You're going to see 50 percent of the jerseys in the crowd are going to be Odell Beckham jerseys. Because that's what everyone bought the last six seasons or whatever, five or six, however many years Odell played for the Giants. Like if you went to Cleveland in 2010 to 2011, you'd still, you know, I guess they were trying to keep people from wearing LeBron jerseys and they burned them all. But it was like, it was, it felt like, you know, it felt like he was an entire era for an entire, for a, for a city, for a region, not just basketball, but bigger than that. And it just evaporated. Um, and that's why I think when he came back to Cleveland and how emotional he got, it was so much of almost like correcting a wrong. You know, it felt like mm. or filling in the the 
the empty space that was left. And I think that that was, it never, it was never filled. We'd still feel today this emptiness about the Cavaliers organization if LeBron didn't go back. Yeah, because if if he didn't, like one, I, I, I felt, I felt genuinely happy when he did come back and, uh, to win the to win the the, the title in sixteen, being down three one against Golden State, David Goliath, and I'm a Knicks fan at heart, but I felt really good for Cleveland. You saw the emotion on, on LeBron's face, and you know those guys really went up against. At that time, you could say the best team, the best team of all time with the records 70, 73 and nine, running through the playoffs, Curry. Draymond, Clay going crazy, up 3-1. You think it's over and LeBron come back and win. And Kyrie, I think Kyrie, uh, you know, to some degree does not get the credit he deserved for that series, putting up 41 in Game 5, the game winner in Game 7. I know they mention it, but they they will always put, like LeBron carried him, and I get that, but Kyrie should get just as much credit for that Finals than as LeBron does. And if, if LeBron does not leave in 2010, the Cavaliers don't get Kyrie Irving in the, in, the, in the draft the following year. So there is a domino effect to a couple of things. If, if he stays, there's no Kyrie. If he goes, then, then you get Kyrie and this and that. So it just, that's how things 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 work and things happen. But like I said, if LeBron don't leave, then they don't get Kyrie in the draft. You're not lying, but, uh, you know. <laughs> I mean, I can't, uh, I can't speak for Anthony Bennett, though, but I can speak for Kyrie Irving. <laughs> no, it, it's uh, – and, and listen, Kyrie gets credit. Uh, I think uh, Kyrie gets credit for the shot, but LeBron gets more credit for the block, and I think that has to do with right. who he is more than the play itself. Right, right. You know, if Kyrie had a steal, you know, came up and stripped someone and LeBron hit the shot, guess what everyone would be th- talking about? The shot. the shot you know that's just yeah. lebron getting his title in cleveland yeah and I, I felt like that that cavalier title outweighs the two in miami to me i could be wrong but to me that one title in cleveland outweighs the two he got in miami um you know i i i think there's an argument for that i think that you could also make the argument that the Cleveland team with Kevin Love and with Kyrie Irving and with some of the cast that they had, you could argue that was almost even a better team and they beat a better team. And, you know, they beat a Warriors team that went 73 and nine and really didn't compare to any team that the Heat played. Um, But I think the biggest thing, you know, is for me, it all has to do with circling back with Cleveland, with with repairing the problem, the, you know, the hole that was left from the first time around. So real quick, who was um, for LeBron's first tenure in Cleveland, who was player wise or team wise? I, I, I think I know the answer for team wise, but who was LeBron's rival? I know I mentioned Gilbert in the beginning, but that was his first one, but who was LeBron's biggest rival during that time? As far as the one-on-one, I know a team might be Detroit and Boston, but as far as individual, who, who would it be? Well, I think people go to Paul Pierce as a guy that, that, you know, they look at a lot. Um, I, I get the arenas thing, but it just felt like that was, though those were early rounds. It wasn't like, it wasn't as deep as the Boston thing was. Uh-huh. It, it felt like it was LeBron against Boston. It felt like Boston was the biggest thing in LeBron's way. 
Um, and that was why we talk about 09 when there was no Garnett, and that was supposed to be the year that the, the sea was parted for LeBron. Um, so you could make it Paul Pierce, but I would say I would want to say the entire, just the Celtics in general. The, you know, that big three was, it was LeBron against the big three. Um, you know, it, later it'll develop into like LeBron will have his, you know, his Paul George rivalry, which I think is a great one. And, um, you know, you could maybe say Joaquim Noah, but, um, like I said, it, it was really, to me, it was the Celtics big three. Yeah, I think it's, um, I agree with Paul Pierce. I think, uh, that game seven, oh, eight conference semis where Pierce had 41, LeBron at 45 does not get talked about enough. Does not get played back enough so if you're hearing this and you want to watch a great game watch lebron and pierce go at it game seven oh eight eastern conference semifinals um i don't think i missed anything from lebron's first 10 year wrath i think i pretty much covered majority of it right yeah i mean we did everything we could you know um it's just a matter of i think that the the, the other legacy that lebron leaves is the way that the Cavaliers failed to construct the roster around him, I think you don't see teams making those decisions anymore. You don't see teams in that middle ground where they're worried about building around a player, but also, you know, want to make sure they get the draft picks. And I think you mentioned JJ Hickson. I think if Dan Gilbert and the organization did things again, they would have they would have taken more chances. Uh, you know, they would have gone after they would have sacrificed a deep bench to get LeBron another superstar in, you know, the 07, 08 range. Did you own, I know, I know you're a big LeBron fan, but did you own any of his Cavalier jerseys? I had a red Cavs, um, I had a red Cavs jersey that I got his rookie year. Okay. Um, and I also got a, I had a blue um, Team USA jersey, which I believe was actually the one from 06. I think he played in like the 06 world championship or something like that. Um, and uh, it wasn't, it might've been the, I, I want to say I'm looking up, at, I'm looking it up right now, but I think it was a 20, 2006 team USA Jersey. Hmm. I never, if I did, I don't have it no more, but if I did, it might've been the, the white, the white home uh, uniform. I never owned the wine, the the red wine joint. I never owned the blue one they they came in with. I never owned the throwback one with the you know the the Mark Price looking one. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, oh, I actually I had a yellow one also. You just reminded me. I had a yellow, yellow throwback too. Okay. Um, did you ever meet LeBron? Um, I never met LeBron years later as a journalist. I covered an event that he was at and was kind of around a scrum. It was a Samsung event. He was, he was doing, you know, talking to some kid. he did a panel with some kids and then right. he talked to the media after. So I was that close to him and I covered, uh, an all-star game, but I never met, I never met him or anything like that during that time. Well, we got to make that happen before he retired, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I don't and know I'd also add, left, by the way, in terms of like LeBron versus Melo, I also had a powder blue Melo Nuggets jersey and a Syracuse jersey. So I, I loved all those guys. Bro, in my closet right now, I have the home white Denver Nugget Carmelo jersey. It's like a size 54. I don't know why <laughs> it's so long. I don't know why I bought it uh, in that size, but it's, I got that. I got Amare. I got Pierce. I got Duncan. Uh, Jermaine O'Neal, pretty much a lot of people from that, uh, from that mid 2000s, Steve Nash, Amare, Sean Marion, The Matrix. So, 
Uh, and they, they're all majority autographs, so those ain't going nowhere. Respect. Yes, yes, sir. Um, Jeff Eisenman, I really appreciate you coming on, talking about LeBron's first stint with the Cleveland Cavaliers. A lot of great stuff, great knowledge. Uh, you can find Jeff Eisenband on Twitter. I'm going to get it right. At Jeff Eisenband, J-E-F-F-E-I-S-E-N-B-A-N-D. Great work for NBA 2K League and MSG Network. Jeff, my man, thank you. Hey, thanks so much for having me. All right, man, take it easy. You too. All right.